Insurance and Injury Law Show set to go for a, another round here. You want to uh, chime in, ask your questions. Would love to have those. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to the uh, the calculator, the injury calculator in just a bit. A ton of emails, a lot of questions, and a special announcement today, guys. In fact, I got a, I just got an email I want to read off the top, and I know, Savannah, you've got a bunch of week that was things going on. But first, I want to get to uh, – you, you guys are leaving – you kept me in the dark. You're just saying special announcement. I know you guys got a bunch of things going on this time of year, but this is the big one. What is it? Tell everybody. So, John, it's been a very, very busy week. And, you know, we've been running this show now for several years. And it's, it's, been, uh, it's, it's, it's been quite a ride. Uh, over the last few years, having uh, spoken about LTD and various uh, injury types of issues, we've gotten emails, calls, and, and, you know, literally have spoken to thousands of people from across the province. And the special announcement is this. As of January of 2019, uh, we are going to have a show on global TV on Sundays at 8.30 each week. So each week, Sundays, 8.30 in the morning, there's going to be a new show called In Your Corner, where we're going to talk about disability and injury-related topics. And, uh, you know, we're going to be dealing with emails, questions uh, from viewers. And, uh, you know, we expect this to reach a lot more people than just a radio show. So that's very, very exciting. That's going to be fantastic. I mean, coming on the coattails, I know you've appeared on Employment Hour and 30 with uh, with Lior, your partner, and uh, massively successful. So this is just the right place to be. Uh, again, in your corner starting in the New Year's uh, Sunday mornings at 830. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Going to be fantastic as we uh, move on here, get started. James, welcome to the show as well, pal. I know you guys got some stuff to talk about today. I want to start off with the, uh, the week that was. Uh, why don't you go first? I know you got a ton to talk about, so uh, so have at it. Okay, John, let me start uh, by telling you that I got this email. This was a few weeks back. uh, And, you know, it's not unusual for me to uh, get an email or a call from someone, a concerned parent, a brother, a sister, a friend, somebody who's calling me or contacting me on behalf of a friend. And and then for me to go back and forth with them and try to guide them through the the system, so to speak, how how to file a disability claim or how to challenge an insurance company who's improperly denied a disability claim. So this one came from a father, a very concerned father, who wrote me uh, the following. He says, my daughter is a police officer. She was diagnosed with PTSD almost a year ago. She's been unable um, to to work then uh, uh, due to this and is now being forced to either return to work or retire. She went through the police association lawyer to claim WSIB, which is workers' comp, but was denied, and and this was um, uh, the same uh, with the appeal. Would you be able to help her? My daughter is not the same person since the diagnosis, and her doctor will not allow her to go back to work. This has put a huge strain on our family, both emotionally and financially. What can be done at this point? Now, as most of our listeners know, we don't deal with workers' compensation claims, mm-hmm. uh, at least not directly. And so I responded to him, and I expressed you know, empathy, obviously, at the situation, and, and you know, explained that we don't deal with workers' comp claims, that we deal primarily with long-term disability claims. And he says, well, as it happened, she also uh, filed a claim with the long-term disability insurer, and they had denied her as well. And, of course, I then told them, well, we can absolutely help. What I need to see is I need to see uh, the, the medical documentation, the reports from the doctors uh, explaining her disability and why she can't work. We need to see the denial letter from the insurance company. And because she's a police officer and she's unionized, we need to see the collective agreement to assess whether or not we can help. And this is something I want to stress for people out there. You know, people listen to our show as well as Lior's show, The Employment Hour, and they know that on the employment side, if you are a unionized employee, we can't help you. Only your union can help you. 
But if you are fighting a long-term disability denial or you've been cut off long-term disability and you are a unionized employee, in many instances, we can actually help you. You don't have to go to a union. What, you, what we need to do is we need to look at your collective agreement, review it, and then we can tell you literally within a few minutes of reviewing it if we can, in fact, help you. And I should add to that, Savan, um, where you are a unionized employee, um, you probably don't want to be using your union to challenge an LTD denial. And the reason for that is very simple. Your union has a specific function, and that function is to represent you generally and in any issues that you have with your employer. But they don't specialize in disability insurance for the most part. There are some exceptions, I'm sure. I'm sure there are the occasional unions that are capable of competently challenging a denial. But for the most part, that's not what they do. That is not where their expertise lie. And so if you're in that situation, you want to get help fighting an LTD denial, you should be asking for qualified legal assistance. And you get that from um, lawyers that deal with this on a day-to-day basis. And John, just to go back to the email, um, I agree with James here. I just want to say again, that email was sent to me by the father. So in many instances out there, the listeners right now who are listening to us are not the ones who are struggling with a disability claim. Uh, They're the father or the mother of someone or the brother or the sister or the friend. You have to take action. You have to help those you love and those you care about. Don't just, you know, leave them hanging uh, out there. They may not have that information. And frankly, they may, they may not even have that willingness or, 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 you know, the willpower to stand up for their rights. Connect us with them. Let us talk to them. At that point, we can give them all the options they need, all the information they need to make an informed decision. And then they can decide how they want to proceed. But don't just listen to this information, knowing that there's someone out there who needs this help and not do anything about that. You know, taking action is really the first step. And uh, to get a hold of uh, James or Savannah, the rest of the team, simple one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Use it, write it down, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I think we still got a, a minute or two before we break. What else you guys got uh, got going on there? Well, John, uh, here's a question that I got um, posted on mydisabilityquestions.com, that free website that we have where people post questions and we answer them for free. And this one came from Jim in North York. Here's what he writes. I have been on short-term and long-term disability for 17 months for depression. I'm currently going for group therapy, which will end shortly. The insurance company wants to know what I will do after, and I said that I have to consult with my doctor. I only have an appointment with my psychiatrist early next year. I'm planning to take some mindfulness group therapy after the group therapy ends. The insurance company is insisting to help me take some therapy from them to help me go back to work quicker. They want me to see their doctor and their therapists, but I want to see my therapist as I have been seeing him before and I'm comfortable with him. I'm not ready. If I refuse to go to their doctors and their therapists for treatments, can they deny my benefits? That's a good question. James, I'll throw that to you. Sure. Um, So this is an issue that comes up almost every week. And the issue is what can they do from a practical standpoint versus what are they allowed to do under the policy? Under the policy, it's going to say that you have to submit to reasonable treatment. And so they can argue that this is reasonable treatment, even though you are getting other treatment as well. Having said that, the first thing is if you are getting treatment that you feel is helping you, you should continue doing that absolutely. Whether or not you decide that you should also go for the additional treatment that your insurer is asking you to do is something that you have to make a decision on. Um, Whether you have time to do that is obviously going to be one issue, but you do have to recognize that if you refuse to do it, even though you're getting your other other 
treatment, and even though your other treatment may well be ultimately determined to be sufficient, even though that may be the case, if you decide to not go through with the insurer's proposed treatment, they may well cut you off. That's just a practical reality. So you have to decide whether or not you can stomach going to this additional treatment if it means that you're going to continue getting your payments for at least some while longer. And that's a decision each person has to make depending on their own circumstances. My advice is generally, if you can do it, you should do it. Even if it's not something you'd like to do, and you have to be careful too, because if they're sending you to see their own uh, provider, they you know may well not be someone who is completely independent, who doesn't have a bias. And so you got to be careful about what you're doing. Um, and so absolutely, I would continue with your own treatment as well. We'll uh, take a short break, fellas. Get uh, lots more on the way here. You'll want to reach out and contact uh, James or Savan. one 9646 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. It's Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number to get a hold of, one 9646 Email is help at the Just got this uh, this email a short time ago. Savan, James, I want to read it to you guys. Have you comment on it? It comes from Kate. says, I have many health challenges i have cfs and fm and my psychiatrist says i can return to a different kind of work one day my doctor does not agree and she's uh, known me for over a decade and understands my cfs and fm does my disability insurance have the right to order me back to work of some kind well john let's start off with uh, defining cfs and fm right since our listeners uh, and i'm sure you are not familiar with those terms so cfs well, FM, is fairly <laughs> certain but yeah the sure. rest of it not really <laughs> cfs is chronic fatigue syndrome right. and fm generally refers to fibromyalgia and usually many many instances they go hand in hand and, and you know chronic fatigue syndrome it's a disorder that's uh, characterized by uh, debilitating fatigue and, and you have almost like flu like symptoms right. i mean you know there are different symptoms that affect different people but generally speaking you're talking about a condition that just wears someone down and they simply are unable to function uh, now to kate's email what do you do in a situation like this where the doctor says this person cannot go back to work and the insurance company is trying to order or force this individual to go back to work. James and I deal with this issue almost on a constant basis. Uh, this issue of insurance companies n- not necessarily forcing someone to go back to work because no one's going to come to your home and literally drag you out and take you to work. But what they're saying is we're going to cut you off if you don't try to return back to work. And in many instances, they do this despite the fact that the person's doctors, treating physicians, are saying this person is simply unable to go back to work at the present time. And, you know, can you stop the insurance company from cutting you off benefits? No, you can't. James has said that. I have said that. People out there have experienced it. Insurance companies can cut you off. The question is, what can you do in response? Most people think that they are powerless. Most people think that they have to try to go back to work because if they don't, well, then the insurance company is just going to cut them off. Well, guess what? If your doctor's saying you can't go back to work because you're not ready, and you feel that you're not ready to go back to work, if you try to go back to work, you're not going to actually succeed, or chances are you're not going to succeed, right? Because you're not ready to go back to work. You may actually wind up making things worse, too. If your doctor is telling you you not to go... If your doctor is telling you not to go back, there's a reason for it. And when you're dealing with mental health issues, even physical issues... Um, going back before your doctor gives you clearance is putting your health at risk. 
So don't do that. Listen to what your doctors are saying, not your lawyer, not your insurance adjuster. If your doctor is saying you can't go back to work, it's very simple. You can't go back to work. What I suggest that you do if you're in that situation, if you, if you don't want to call us or email us about that situation, um, and you just want to know what to do right now, uh, uh, memorialize the conversation that you're having with your adjuster. Presumably, you've told your adjuster uh, by phone or, or via email that you're not ready to go back to work. Make sure that you make it explicit, clearly outline your position in an email or a letter, fax, whatever, just so that it's in writing. You are not ready to go back to work. Your doctor has said that you're not ready to go back to work. Of course, make sure that you have, obviously, something from your doctor that says you're not able to go back to work. And I'm not just talking about something written on a, on a napkin, okay? Your doctor has to outline in, in some detail why it is that you are not ready at the present time to go back. And frankly, if your doctor has a prognosis, if your doctor feels that at some point in the future you will be able, let's say in four months, six months, your doctor can say that. I would suggest that your doctor not say for certain you'll be able to because, you know, no one has a crystal ball, but just make sure that if your doctor is saying that you're not able to go back to work, that in fact you have something from your doctor that outlines that. And then state that to the insurance company. And I'll tell you this, if they cut you off despite this, we are going to hit them with a legal claim so hard, trust me, they're going to come to the table, negotiate, and try and resolve your claim. And getting back to how you started on this about memorializing the conversation. So that means basically taking notes while you're having telephone conversations Hmm. and making sure that you are just putting the facts down, what you said and what they said. And what you you said, as Savan mentioned, has to include that one, you don't feel you can go back to work, and number two, your doctors feel that way. And the reason this is so important is down. if you don't do this, if you don't then follow up and send an email to your adjuster just confirming all the contents of the conversation, if you do not do that, down the road, what's going to happen is if the file shows, you know, after the fact that you weren't in fact ready to go back to work and you don't have anything that uh, puts to your adjuster that you're not ready to go back and your doctor says you're not ready to go back, they're going to say, oh, well, we just didn't know. We didn't realize that. We cut you off because, you know, we told you that it's time to go back to work and you didn't really say anything about it and we didn't have any evidence that you couldn't go back. And so from our position, it was quite reasonable to say you have to go back. No. Don't let them get away with that. Make sure that there is a record of it that they cannot deny. And if you send them the email the same day you have the conversation, they either have to deny it then and there, in which case you're fine. If they're saying they never said that, Mm -hmm. then they have to take a different position, which is great for you. But if they don't say anything, if they don't deny having this conversation, then there is at the very least a record of it down the road, which if they do cut you off and we have to start a legal claim is going to come in handy. Trust me. We'll take a short break, guys. want to mention as well, if you missed it off the top of the show, as of uh, early 2019 in January, we're getting into a TV show uh, with Savannah and James. In Your Corner will be uh, airing on Global TV, 8.30 on Sunday mornings. More about what we talk about here, more in-depth, your phone calls, emails. It's going to be really good again, starting in the new year. Uh, give me a chance to uh, to put some time aside on your Sunday mornings at eight thirty on Global TV for In Your Corner with Savannah and James and myself. It's going to be uh, going to be pretty awesome. In the meantime, write this phone number down one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More questions, more emails on the way 
on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number to get a hold of, one 990 9646 Email is help at Starting in January of next year, 2019, in your corner will be the uh, TV version, basically, of the show. It's going to be pretty phenomenal, happening on Global TV, 8.30 on Sunday morning. So prepare for that in your corner with Savannah and James and myself. We're looking forward to that. Uh, indeed. Before we just move on to uh, another question, another week that was you had, Savan, the last time we were talking about, you know, your doctor telling you not to go back to work and the insurance company using that against you, is it commonplace, guys, that say your doctor says, no, you shouldn't go back. You know, thought, you know what, I'm a team player, I'm a soldier, I'm going to go back. And something happens. You shouldn't have gone back. You get worse. Even though you're tried to mitigate for the benefit of the insurance company for all you know intents and purposes, can they use that against you saying, yeah, see, now you're going to be off even longer. Your doctor told you not to go back, but you did. Yeah. Yeah, they can use that against you. Brutal. If you No, but if you go back to work against your doctor's advice right. and you don't put that to them, if you don't say, my doctor is saying I can't go back to work, so they, they're unaware of that, mm-hmm. they, can put that, they can put that to you and say, you know what, you've made your situation worse. This is your own fault. Will they be successful? I don't know. It's going to yeah. depend on the circumstances, but right. they will certainly use that as a reason to cut you off. You have to listen to what your doctors are saying at all times. Your doctors are the ones who are giving you the advice about your your health, and you have to listen to them. They're the ones who know, not your not your lawyer, not your insurance mm-hmm. adjuster. And, John, one of the things that I see sometimes with uh, individuals who are told by their insurance companies that they must go back to work, what they do is then these individuals go to their doctors, oftentimes doctors that have known them for many, many years, and they beg their doctors to write a note saying that they are ready to go back to work so they can present that to their employers because they're afraid of what their employers are going to say if the doctor hasn't cleared them. And so imagine this. The doctor doesn't really believe that you are ready to go back to work, but because they know you and they're trying to help you, they write that note that you're requesting that you're okay to go back. You then try to go back and you fail because clearly you're not ready. And then you turn around to the insurance company and say, look, I've tried to go back. I'm not ready yet. But guess, uh, guess what? The insurance company then looks at that note that you begged your doctor for, and they say, well, your doctor said that you're ready to go back, and now you're stuck. Now you can't go back to work because you're not ready, but yet your doctor provides you a note that you've begged for, and the insurance company says, we are not going to reinstate you. What do you do? Well, yeah. don't do it in the first place. If you're in that situation, again, going back to the last segment, make sure that you tell the adjuster you are not ready to go back. Make sure that you have the medical documentation from your doctor saying that. And if you feel that the insurance company is going to cut you off because they've said so and they're not backing down, give us a call immediately. Let us deal with this before it explodes, before you're in a situation where we cannot help you. I I can't stress this enough. We get people all the time. And you know, uh, John... If I can just digress for a second, I, mm-hmm. I, I, th- there is a case that I, w- I want to briefly talk about. There is a gentleman I've been communicating with for the last uh, couple of months. And uh, this gentleman wrote me back at the beginning of September the following. He wrote, my question relates to when it's too late to make an LTD claim. He says, I left my company with severance in June of 2017. At the time, I was suffering with a condition and it was impacting my ability to fulfill my job responsibilities. But the condition was a- as yet undiagnosed. Subsequently, with additional tests and specialist consultations, it was confirmed as a severe respiratory condition for which there is no cure or safe treatment. The doctors have confirmed that I've had this long-term disabling condition since early 2016. My question is, when I left my company, I did not know that I had this serious condition that would impact my long-term employment. Um, 
and had I known, I would have made a claim through my LTD insurance. Is right. it too late? Is there an opportunity to raise this issue now with the insurance company? Now, John, there are several issues there, one of which is when did he actually become disabled? We need to understand that from his doctors. But, you know, when I was communicating with him the last few months, something else came up, and I want to really raise this as a major issue. If you are negotiating your own severance, in other words, if you don't call us, because, of course, as people know, there are a lot of employment lawyers in our firm that help Mm -hmm. people get the severance they deserve. But it's not just the severance that's important. What happened with this gentleman, as I found out, is he negotiated his own severance. Well, guess what? When he reached that uh, end of the negotiations with his company, the the, the company, his employer, uh, agreed to pay him severance if he signs a release. And the release that they had him sign, which he did sign, actually contained a provision that prohibited him from making a future claim for disability against the disability insurance company. Now, as to whether or not that is enforceable or not, that's a different question. James and I can debate. We can debate with the insurance company. The issue is that he had signed a document with regards to his severance with his employer, but that release contained that time bomb uh, provision that says that he's now not allowed down the road to make a claim for disability against the insurance company. So that is that is a, a complicating factor. And again, I want to raise that to people out there that if you are in a situation where you are, for whatever reason, being let go from your job because of your disability or you are dealing with your employer with regards to severance, be very careful, be very, very careful of doing these negotiations on your own because it's not just about the money. It's also about any impact anything you sign may have on, on a disability claim against the insurance company. I think it's really important that we also address what would have happened had this not been in there. And there's a very recent case that dealt with almost these exact same issues uh, where a gentleman had left his job under similar circumstances and a few years later um, realized that he had a disability that had started when he was at his previous job and he brought an LTD application and was denied because they said it was too late and he was no longer under the policy. And the court said no. If you were covered at the time your disability arose, even if you didn't know it at the time, then you are still covered and you can bring your claim. And he was successful in doing that. And so I believe, based on what this gentleman has has written to you, Savon, if that clause wasn't in the release, if he hadn't agreed not to bring a disability claim in the future, then he would likely be successful if he were to apply now for his LTD insurance. And so that's a shame. Um, hopefully, there's something that we're going to be able to do about it. I'm not sure. But were that not there, I'm quite confident that he would be successful. Yeah, I mean, I've asked him to email me the release so I can look at the exact wording. But, you know, again, I can't stress enough how important it is to have someone with knowledge in this area of law, both with respect to the severance itself as well as with the disability aspect to it, look at these documents mm-hmm. before you sign them. It's crucial. I mean, you know, I can tell you, John, if he doesn't have a claim, given his condition and given what he was making, uh, his age, everything else, he could be looking at a loss now uh, of of tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. You have to be extremely careful when you sign these documents. You have to be extremely careful when, when you're dealing with your employer for severance and when you're dealing with your insurance company when it comes to making a claim for disability. Guys, we'll take a short break. We'll get to a top five list. In fact, the top five mistakes people make when they are denied LTD. That's coming up. one 990 9646 and help at the to contact through email as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six or help at the insurance lawyer.ca to contact Savannah James, member of the team. You can do that. Uh, question, guys. You know, we talk about long term disability claims on every show because there are so many people out there who are either directly affected by it or know someone who is, right? The top five mistakes people make when they are denied long term disability. If you can get it down to five, what would they be? Okay, well, let's start with my five. Okay. Uh, the number one thing that I see and I've seen since I started dealing with long-term disability claims is that people are shell-shocked and they do absolutely nothing. Literally, they do nothing. They stare at that piece of paper and they tell me that after they come see me. They tell me that they've just stared at the piece of paper and everything that was going through their head is simply, how am I going to pay for things? What's going to happen? I'm going to go bankrupt. My kids are not going to be able to go to their sports, not going to be able to pay the mortgage. They are shell-shocked and understandably so. So the top mistake is simply to do nothing about it because guess what? If you do nothing about it, nothing is going to happen, okay? Mm -hmm. That's the first one. Number two, they appeal the decision. And sometimes they appeal multiple times, hoping to convince the insurance company that the denial was a mistake. And, you know, I don't blame them, John, because every letter that denies your disability claim or cuts you off at the bottom contains a paragraph that invites you to appeal. And, and, you know, you simply think, okay, that's part of the process. Maybe I can now convince them that they've made a mistake. Maybe I can go to my doctors and get more proof, quote unquote. Well, that's a mistake because the vast majority of appeals in our experience, and this is anecdotal, except that, of course, we also uh, hear from, from, from Terry, our, our resident insurance uh, expert, uh, and other people, frankly, other uh, practitioners in our field and other adjusters that we know, all of who tell us that these appeals for the most part, are useless. Number three, they hired the wrong lawyer. And usually they hire someone who has little to no experience with insurance companies and specifically with long-term disability. Uh, and, and, you know, when people come to me after they've, they've um, been with a certain lawyer for X amount of time and they've been frustrated with the process, one of the most common things that I hear is that the lawyer they've hired had tried to negotiate or convince the insurance company of the insurance company's error. Again, that's the same mindset. It's a mindset that, oh, the insurance company just made a mistake. If only we can show them the light, if only we can show them the real truth of what's going on here, the error in their ways, they will correct them. No, that's not the way the system is geared. That's not the way that it works. The way that it works is that the insurance company cuts you off or denies your disability claim, hoping that you will simply walk away and they keep a bag full of money. So don't hire the wrong lawyer. Number four, We talked about this earlier on this show, and and we do so on every show. Uh, The fourth mistake is people try to go back to work against medical advice, thereby causing themselves more harm and, frankly, often causing their case more harm. Be very careful. If your doctor says you cannot go back to work, you are not ready, and you feel that you are not ready, do not go back to work, period. Number five, They decide to fight the insurance company, but wait too long until it's no longer possible to start a legal claim. And James and I often talk about that two-year limitation period, Mm -hmm. right, from the time you were first denied. I still have people, John, to this day, despite the fact that we've been doing this show for years now, people come to me and say, I had a claim or I had a denial back in 2013. Well, if you're two years past that first denial, Unless there are really extenuating circumstances and those are far and few between, you will not have a claim against your insurance company. So those are my sort of top five mistakes, and I see them over and over and over when people call me. I have one I would like to add to the list. So 
So the, the one I would like to add is thinking that your insurance company is there to help you. They're not. <sighs> now, I... I want to be fair about this because Terry emailed me, Terry Corcoran, our, our, our friend who used to work in the insurance industry for, what, 30 years. He emailed me last week and he said, James, I thought you were you know, perhaps being a little bit hard on um, some of us guys that were in the insurance industry. And that's fair because I'm not talking about every single adjuster out there. There are some very good people that work in, in the insurance industry, and I'm certainly not suggesting otherwise. But the insurance companies themselves, these are large billion-dollar companies, and they are there to make a profit. That is the only thing they are there for. They are there to answer to their shareholders. The only way they make a profit is by taking in more than they give out. And to do that, they have to cut people off. So there is a mandate to cut people off as quickly as possible. And you have to be aware of that. You have to understand that even if the person you're dealing with seems like a very nice person, seems like they're being very reasonable, at some point they're going to be looking for an excuse to cut you off. And you have to keep that in the back of your mind. I'm not saying you shouldn't be pleasant. I'm not saying you shouldn't be polite. You should. They may be a a very nice person, but at the end of the day, their job is to try and cut you off as soon as they can justify it. And some people will do that very quickly. Some people will be a bit more reasonable. But don't feel that your insurance company is there for the purpose of helping you. They are not. And, and you know, John, I actually want to mention something about this because um, James mentioned Terry, and of course, James and I are in uh, constant communication with Terry. And, and incidentally, for those of, of the listeners out there who don't know, James and I used to work for insurance companies in the past. So we do have some experience on the other side. I'll tell you, if there were more Terrys out there, in fact, if the majority of adjusters out there were like Terry, James and I would probably, we would not be in business for very long. That's, that's the reality. And in fact, there would not be a lot of lawyers like, like ourselves out there uh, because insurance companies would be dealing with claimants, legitimate claimants, uh, equitably and fairly. The reality is that, as James said, insurance companies are there to make a profit. People like Terry, from my experience, are few and far between and less so now. And it seems to me that unless you have lawyers who have the expertise, the experience in, in this area of law, be able and be willing and have the resources to, 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 to fight this guerrilla warfare really with the insurance company on behalf of vulnerable victims out there, these people, these people who are legitimately disabled and injured would not get a dime. And, and the thing is this, and people need to understand, we're not fighting to rob the insurance companies of money. This is money that is legally owed to these individuals. So our position is very simple. If you're not going to pay these individuals what they are owed under the law, we are going to force you to pay them what they're owed under the law. But to do that, you have to have the know-how, you have to have the mindset for it, and you have to have the resources to bring this force to bear on insurance companies. So again, with Terry, if there were more out there like him, we would not be in business. But unfortunately, we don't have many Terrys out there. We're going to take a short break, guys. Get to more emails and questions. The number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance Industry Law Show. It's Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. That is the number. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to get a hold of James Savan, the rest of their uh, very competent team, and a reminder as well that starting in January of 2019, a couple months from now, In Your Corner will be the TV show based on this uh, long-running radio show. That's going to be happening on Global TV at 8.30 on Sunday morning. Again, In Your Corner, coming to your uh, your TV lineup in the new year. Guys, email uh, now from Daniel. Daniel says, about three years ago, my brother was denied long-
long-term disability, and then he hired a lawyer soon after who appealed his denial three times. Eventually, after listening to your show, I told my brother that he should start a legal claim, as you keep saying on your show, but his lawyer said that he can't do that now because he was first denied three years ago. I don't understand why he can't do it now. Why did the lawyer not tell him at the beginning that there is a time limit for starting claims like this? So let's make this very clear right at the start. When you apply for long-term disability insurance, whether it's on the application or whether it's down the road after you've been accepted, at some point they're going to try and cut you off. So if they deny you out of the gate or down the road, if they terminate your benefits, that's called a denial letter. So the very first time they tell you that you are not entitled to LTD benefits or that you're no longer entitled, that's the denial letter. And the clock starts ticking the moment that letter is sent. And so you have two years from the date of the denial letter in order to legally challenge the claim. Now, there's discussion here in this email. Daniel's uh, mentioned that his brother's lawyer had appealed it three times. So second thing, appeals do not change anything when it comes to this clock that is ticking, this two-year limitation period. They do not make it go longer. So if he's appealed three times, it's not two years from the last appeal or the first appeal or the second or whatever. It's two years from the date of the first denial. And as we've discussed ad nauseum on the show every single week, the appeal makes no sense. There's no point to it. When you appeal, you are leaving all of the power with your insurance company. And there's no reason to do that. There's no reason to allow them to determine your fate any longer than is necessary. And the moment they deny your, your claim or cut you off, that is the time to remove the power from them, start a legal claim, and they are no longer going to be able to determine your future and what happens with your benefits. Now they have to act reasonably. So the reason why um, you know this, uh, this lawyer is telling your brother that he cannot bring a legal claim at this point is because more than two years have passed. It's been three years. So in one sense, this lawyer is correct. You know, he can't bring a legal claim anymore. Right. But, you know, this lawyer clearly did not understand how the system works and that the appeals are of no benefit to your brother. And so I would say, based on what you've told me here, and I want to take a little bit uh, of a closer look, it sounds like there's probably a claim against the lawyer for failing to have brought the claim against your insurance company. That's a professional negligence claim. And so essentially what you would be doing is you'd be starting a legal claim against your brother's lawyer um, saying that he failed to act in your brother's best interests um, and that in doing so your brother wasn't able to you know, get his long-term disability benefits, which he ought to have gotten had the lawyer brought the legal claim in time. And John, if I can just add something with respect to what the lawyer did here and the claim against the lawyer, I can tell you that I can probably count on one hand um, how many times I have started legal claims against lawyers in these kinds of circumstances. And, and partly it's because I hate doing that. I, I, James as well. I mean, we hate the idea of going after another lawyer. But as far as we're concerned, if the lawyer doesn't understand that field, if the lawyer doesn't understand the time limitations, that lawyer should not be practicing in this field. Okay, that's like asking, you know, a, a, a doctor that does cosmetics to do surgery on you. I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, if this is not your area of law, then don't meddle. Okay, because what's happening now is that this individual 
is potentially out of God knows how much money. And, and you know, I mean, we have no idea about Daniel's brother. Maybe, maybe Daniel's brother is is catastrophically impaired and and disabled. Maybe, maybe his brother was supposed to get a million bucks from the insurance company. We have no idea. What we know is that now he cannot start a legal claim, and the insurance company would have a valid defense, assuming this is a straightforward case of a missed limitation period. So again, stressing the point, as soon as you are denied a claim or as soon as you are cut off, or even if you are told you will be cut off, you haven't been yet, but you will be in a week, in a month, in six months, in a year, don't wait. Give us a call or email us. We can look at all of your documentation for free and tell you exactly what you can do, what your options are. Waiting around, doing absolutely nothing, or going to someone who has no expertise in the area is a recipe for disaster. I agree with everything that you just said, Swan, and I, I also agree that I really am not comfortable in most circumstances bringing a claim against another lawyer, um, especially when we're talking about something that is a matter of judgment. Um, and the reason for it is, frankly, those cases are very difficult to make out when you're questioning someone's judgment. This is not about their judgment. This is about understanding you know, the very basic uh, components of long-term disability law um, and the two-year limitation period. This is you know, not something that is you know, questionable. This is, uh, this is fundamental if you're doing this. If you're listening to the show on a weekly basis, you know this. So a lawyer who is representing someone and who's supposed to understand exactly what their legal rights are that does not know this is certainly open to a legal claim um, being brought against them for failing to do this within the two-year period. You know, we, we talk about denials and just don't do it off the hop, but the magic number uh, you guys talk about and often with uh, people that contact you is three denials. Is, is, there, is there a maximum that a person can, uh, can give to a an insurance company or try for? So so I think what you're referring to is appeals, right, John? Appeals, People get denied yeah. and then the appeal and appeal. Well, listen, I mean, there's no magic number. We get right. people who contact us after one appeal, two appeals, three appeals. The thing is this. Each one of these appeals may take months and months and months. Wow. And if you have a two-year limitation period, you can exhaust that time period within two or three appeals, really. Because uh, remember, you get that um, rejection of, of your appeal you're in shock again. You're again trying to figure out what your options are. By the time you figure out what you want to do and go to your doctors again and get more medical proof because, you know, again, you're under this uh, misapprehension that somehow you can persuade your adjuster to understand uh, the error of his or her ways. Just don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. You are wasting time. You are wasting resources. <coughs> you, are, you are getting frustrated with the process. And here's the other thing, and we've said this before, and I want to really emphasize this. Once we get involved, you are no longer dealing with your insurance company directly. That's it. It's done. You can focus on your health. We are dealing with the adjuster. The adjuster has to go through us for absolutely everything. So remember that. Not only are we going to probably be more, much more successful in advancing your claim, but you're not yeah. going to have that headache and, and you know, that, that exhaustion of dealing with this insurance company that is just beating you down. Guys, we'll take one more uh, short break here before we get to an email or two. Uh, the number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to reach out anytime. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six or help at theinsurancelawyer.ca to contact James Savan the team. Uh, Laura did exactly that. I'll get to uh, Laura's email now as we get down to the last few minutes of the show here today, guys. Uh, Laura says, about four and a half years ago, I was in a bad uh, car crash, and my lawyers at the time helped me with my claim, which was settled earlier this year. However, 
I was also denied long-term disability a year after my accident, and I was told my lawyers about it back then. They said that they would deal with it after the car accident claim was resolved. So after the car accident settled, I asked them about it, and they said that I can't make a claim for my LTD. Very confused, and I can't get straight answers from them about the LTD case. What do you guys think? Well, unfortunately, uh, John, uh, Laura's email uh, reflects what we talked about in the last segment um, with, with um, you know, the, the mislimitation period. And again, this is something you have to be very careful uh, with. There are many lawyers out there who understand the law as it relates to car accidents, slip and falls, but long-term disability is different. And so you want to make sure that even though a lawyer says that they do long-term disability, they may not necessarily do it. And in this case, it seems like they missed the limitation period. If the car accident happened four and a half years ago and Laura became disabled back then, well, clearly now she's not able, and and by the way, she was denied long-term disability back then. She's not able to bring that claim now because she's beyond the two-year limitation period for bringing the claim against the insurance company. So again, be extremely careful. If your lawyers don't understand this area of law, you have to find lawyers who do. It's that simple. Another thing that this raises, though, is whether your lawyers got you everything that you ought to have in the car crash. Because if you are in a car crash and you bring a claim against the at-fault driver, whoever's defending that claim, whoever the um, at-fault driver's insurance company hires to be their lawyer, is certainly going to ask whether or not you have long-term disability insurance. They're entitled to know that. And they're entitled to get a credit for whatever your long-term disability insurer is paying you or should be paying you. And so if you haven't applied, well, you have in this case, but if you haven't challenged it, they may, you know, they may be taking a discount on what they should be paying you for the full amount of your injury settlement. And because of that, I'm not sure in this case whether or not you would have gotten the full amount on the injury claim. Um, and so really what we try and do, we, we always make sure we're bringing both claims at the same time. And what we want ideally is to have everyone in the room who has an interest in the claim there when it's going to be resolved. We want the LTD insurer there and we want the insurer for the injury claim to be there at the same time. That way we maximize whatever is available to you. All right, that's it for today, guys. Uh, moving forward, if you're listening, you want to reach out and contact James and Savannah. Really simple, one 990 9646 Email us, help at If you want to find out how much the... Uh, pain and suffering component of a claim should be injurycalculator.ca as well we usually uh, focus in on that but we didn't this week because uh, it's easy to use and easy to remember it takes about 30 seconds to go through it and there's a contact button at the bottom as well if you don't want to do that you walk away anonymous and have the knowledge uh, moving forward and another reminder as we uh, wrap here for the uh, for the weekend that's starting in early 2019 January we're taking the show to TV on Global TV in your corner we'll be uh, airing Sunday mornings at 8:30 so you get a lot more knowledge and the uh, the visual component which will be nice we'll start that again January of 2019 as we continue giving you the knowledge that is uh, so important when it comes to insurance and injury law. That's the name of this show. We're done for another week, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, right here. Till next time, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.